Okay, questions, thoughts? JP, kick it off, sir. So after reading your thesis statement, I immediately thought of Piper's Christian hedonism. Um, and then, so it seems to me that that is a relatively new thing in the church, or am what, I wrong? What thing? Christian hedonism, like that concept as opposed to kind of the puritanical cliche, or am I wrong? Tell me how you see, tell, get, unpack your thinking. It's not, uh, it's not immediately obvious to me how they are interfacing. So Piper's Christian hedonism, right, is essentially... You glorify God by enjoying him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there, if there's no law against it, gung-ho. Right. Right? Whereas with the Puritans, it was all about um, that sedate um, life of kind of prayer and fasting and yeah. denial. Yeah. Am I wrong in that reading of history? Yes. The okay. Puritans get... The Puritans get... Oh, yeah. Let me, no, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me unpack this further. It should never give me joy to recount another's evil. I sh it should grieve me, right? So right off the bat, like, you, you know this with kids, right? If, if one of my kids comes and, guess what, Dad? Sophie. Like, why are you happy? And so even those times when, like, we have to tell the body or those situations that I think I need to inform the elders about, if, if there's any sort of excitement in being the teller of a tale, like, I need to repent, right? So just forget, get back to the hedonism. What should give me joy should be, I serve a God who covers offenses. He covers them by dealing with them. I want to pause and say, covering is not looking the other way. When David first coins the phrase, covers sin, it's after Nathan has come and hit him upside the head and called him to repentance. But rather, it, it's done, it's dealt with, we can move on. I worship a God who does that. I worship a God who doesn't hang my shame out to the universe. I should want to, if my heart's in line with his heart, do the same. I should, one of the reasons I should want to go talk to a brother one-on-one -on -one is to help nip something in the bud before it goes public, to help like Noah's sons walking in backwards of the blanket. That should give me joy. That should give me delight. Um, so I'd start, when getting back to joy, I'd want to challenge, if there's joy in telling of others' sin, that's ungodly. That's, that's Satan the accuser delights in that. So if you want to start framing delights, then my default position should be you need to show me biblical warrant why I need to not cover, why I need to uncover someone's nakedness, why I need to tell someone else. And there is biblical warrant for it, but I should do that reluctantly in the sense of I take no pleasure in this, but God's told me I need to do this. And even as we are free. There are, Christ has commands, right? You are, you, are, you are my friends if you keep my commandments. If you love me, John 14, 15, you will keep my commandments. So we're not under the Mosaic law. We're under law. Paul frames it in 1 Corinthians 9 as um, not under the law of Moses, but under the law of Christ. So, okay, I've said a lot. So, if Talk you, so um, my question is more around, I guess, would be Daniel's thesis. If we judge a brother where the law does not, then we condemn the law as inadequate. Mm. Um, so I guess the reason I bring kind of Christian hedonism in this is because of the various analogies we've thrown around. Like your Christian brother does something that you don't think is Christian, but there isn't a law against it. Yeah. 
So that's, whereas, um, now uh, granted this might be a trope because Leah's shaking her head f furiously. You know, Puritans, there is that trope that they go and say, this is, you're not living as a Christian ought because um, you're working on a Sunday. Mm. Well, if you're, if you're, if you hold to the tripartite view of the, if you believe the Christian's bound to keep the Ten Commandments, then it's a death penalty sin to work on the Sabbath. I mean, it, what I don't get are people that think you shouldn't, but don't think it's high sin. If you think the Ten Commandments, as such, not interpreted through Christ, are binding on our conscience, this was, they put to death the dude gathering sticks. Like, it's black and white, we, would dis, we should discipline for that. If it's clear-cut sin, there's no like, well, it's a, so I don't actually, I don't get the people who are like, well, you probably shouldn't work on Sunday. Like, dude, it's either a law that we need to submit to, and I don't care if it's inconvenient for you, or it's not. It can't be a sort of law. But keep, you know, keep going. So that's my question, is that dichotomy, where you've had, um, I mean, I read a biography about John D. Rockefeller, I mean, richest man in America in the 1920s, yeah. and he would literally have a little booklet that tallies his rights and wrongs, you know? Um, and so, and then today you've got almost this, I don't want to make a, a caricature of it, but um, what's changed where we go from that little booklet of rights and wrongs yeah. to now where we can say, you know, Christian hedonism could be a biblical thing. So let me, let me, he keeps using biblical hedonism. Biblical hedonism, but Piper is, is getting, and the short version that's right is, he's pushing against a Christianity that's, I do my duty. And it's just self-discipline, do my duty. And he's like, no, we should delight, we should enjoy, we should take pleasure in what God calls us to do. Um, and therefore, that... As we're walking in the Spirit, it's less and less consulting a list of rules and more walking in the Spirit, acting in faith and love. Which is where I'm saying if the backdrop is I don't want to talk about other people is wrong until other things inform me. So, like, in my mind, here's how, like, Leviticus 19, in case you haven't picked up on my repeatedly going there and going there and going there and going there and going there, and I'll continue to do so, is absolutely paradigmatic in my mind of how the heart works. If I catch myself thinking evil of you, JP, we've, we've talked about this, I know that I got two options. I can either turn from that because it's none of my business or I don't know enough or I don't have enough data. But if I can't, I know my heart will begin to hate you, manifested either in anger or bitterness and the desire to tell other people. I know that. So as much to remedy my own heart as to love you, I go talk to you about it. And it's like, I wouldn't, once I see that principle, I don't need a law to tell me to do it. I know the way my heart works. I know what happens. And so now I'm coming to you just like, dude, I don't want to hate you. I don't want to judge you. What's going on? Um, I found myself, I needed to talk to a brother just the other day. It went really well, but I, I was bugged by something they did. And it wasn't even clearly sin. I sat down and like, hey man, this is what happened. I'm not saying it's sin. But it, it seemed unfit. Like, would you, would you tell me what you're thinking when you did this? Can you tell me where you're coming from when you did this? Because it seemed unfitting, seemed inappropriate. What was, was, you know what I mean? And he took it that way. He's okay, you're not charging me with sin. I'll be happy to tell you what I was thinking. It was a great conversation. And I did that primarily so that I caught myself throughout the week bugged thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm going to start to hate him. I'm going to start to resent him. 
I'm going to start to be embittered to him. So once I started seeing the way those things work, I don't need a set of rules to tell me to do it. I'm doing it for my own heart's sake and for that person's sake. You know what I mean? So I, I look at Jesus' commands in Matthew 18. It's the most obvious things in the world now that I get it. Like if you and I are at loggerheads, we can't just stay at loggerheads where I think you're wicked and you think I'm wicked and we can't hear. Like can we find someone who has the spirit and sit down and try to work through this? I think that's step two, right? I mean, so like it's totally organic and obvious once you see it. Now, that doesn't mean for people that it's not organic and obvious, they don't need a command. I mean, Christ has some pretty clear-cut commands. We can talk about under law, and then Jesus gives a command. But I think understood properly, you can start to walk in ways that aren't what's the letter of the law say. But once you see the logic of Christ's commands, it becomes much more intuitive and obvious to me. So the second I catch myself resenting someone, I need to go talk to them. Not because Leviticus 19 says it, even though it does, but because I get the point Leviticus 19 is getting it. I don't want to resent and hate my brother. So I got to go talk to him, you know? Um, okay, go. Does that help at all where you're going? Yeah, from so um, is that kind of the next step in that verse talking about not being a stumbling block for the weaker brother, right? About the food laws? Yeah. Um, meat, no meat, etc. And so is that kind of where if... You, you guys are causing each other to stumble. You need to have that conversation and kind of work it out. Yeah, then let me just talk. Okay, you're bringing in a different factor. There are two sets of commands and instructions. There's Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8. And he, Paul tells them to do very different things. And so we got to understand the context. What it means to cause... There's, okay, the Bible can talk about causing someone to stumble in two ways. One, tempting someone to sin. So Jesus says, offenses must come, but woe to whom they come by. I'm a stumbling block to you if I am tempting you to do something your conscience prohibits. The example Paul gives is eating meat sacrificed to idols, okay? I am not a stumbling block to you if what I'm only tempting you to do is judge me. I'm not, a, I'm not being a stumbling block to you if all I'm doing is tempting you to judge me. In other words, in Romans 14, you've got two groups, people eating meat, people not eating meat. Paul clearly makes it clear who he thinks is right because he enables one strong and one weak, right? And there, he doesn't say to the guys eating meat, stop eating meat. He says, guys eating meat, don't despise as immature the, the, the non-meat eaters, and you meat eaters don't sit in judgment on the meat eaters, coexist. So, so let's use the eating meat. If... Let's, okay, let's use alcohol. Perfect example. There are people who, if, if you drink in front of them, they will want to drink. That is legitimately, biblically, the stumbling block. And if they ought not to drink, their conscience tells them they ought not to drink. Then you ought not to do that in front of them. There are other people that think Christians shouldn't drink. They're, they don't want to drink. You're tempting them to judge you. And that's Romans 14, coexist. Like, yeah, I wouldn't shove it in their face, but you're under no obligation to not tempt them to sit in judgment on you. Like, I'm, I'm not obligated to make sure somebody's not looking down their nose at me. That's their deal. God will deal with them. So the stumbling block issue is only an issue when I'm tempting someone to follow along, to follow in suit with me, not an issue. Because you've got those two sets of instructions. In Romans 14, it's coexist. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll get to you in a moment, Bennett. I'll tell you one funny story with this. When I was at, no, no, in a moment. When I was at Grace Community Church, there, I was the worship leader of our fellowship. Our fellowship group was the size of this church. Um, and I was the worship leader of our fellowship group. We basically had a second church service. 
be like this. We have coffee notes. Then we just have another sermon and another set of songs. It was a long, glorious morning. And the first Sunday I took over, I wore, this is Southern California. It's like 105 outside. I wore khaki shorts, dock uh, siders, and a collared golf shirt. And I was told very politely by the guy over me that um, there was a sort of informal dress code. And I'm always suspicious of informal, unwritten down things. I totally submitted to it, but I came back a couple weeks later, didn't want to look like I was being, why? And said, hey, what's the rationale on that? And he said, uh, well, we don't want to cause people to stumble. And I said, if you mean there are some women who are going to be enticed by my legs, or it's not that laughable, or if you mean there are people whose consciences won't allow them to wear shorts and they'll see my freedom in shorts and they'll be like, maybe I should wear shorts too. Fair enough. If what you mean is some people would look down their noses and sit in judgment on me, I don't know why I need to serve that. Anyway, I didn't realize we get such a laugh at this. No, Bennett, Bennett was next, then Lee. Yes, Bennett. Okay, well, they figured that out. Lee. Sorry. Oh, no, um, sorry. Hold on, earlier, hold on. No. I was hearing about you talking about um, alcohol. Yes. And I can't have alcohol because of my medicine. Yeah. And I had a glass of wine and we were celebrating Thanksgiving early at my cousin Cindy mm -hmm. and it turned out a really bad night for me. Oh wow. It was so bad that I hurt my leg. I had a drop seizure as I was going back to my house and I went my leg went the wrong way. So this, is this was just last week, Bennett? No. Oh, a couple, yesterday. Like, yesterday. Oh, we'll pray for you, Bennett. I'm sorry to hear that. That's awful. Yeah, you and definitely the point drink. I was trying to get to oh. is in the Bible, Joseph gave alcohol to his brothers. At a, the at a cup in the... That was his cup of divination. You didn't drink alcohol out of your cup of divination. There was this cup that he would do sorcery in, at least so he said. I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Let me, let me talk more afterwards. Lee, Lee, you're next. Oh, no, we need the microphone. We need the mic for Lee. No, you, you go back. Joseph's got a cup of divination. That's, that's what's going on with that? Okay, Lee. Well, that helped me to understand the question of do we always have to bow to the weaker brother? Because that's no. the thing I struggle with it, no. you, you know, because, well, they don't eat meat, so nobody should eat meat yeah. around them. And and uh, right. that we should all be it, there comes a point sometimes where you agree to disagree yeah, yeah. in a in a kind and loving way that, you know, totally. every, on both sides. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's really clear. No, think about think about this, getting back to law and weighty burdens. If God held me responsible to envision every possible scenario where what I do might tempt someone to follow suit, I would, I would be neurotic and I wouldn't be able to act. Um, I might be tempting someone right now to drink too much caffeine. I might be tempting someone right now to uh, buy an iPad when they don't have the money to. 
I might be tempting someone right now to, I don't know. I mean, there's all, so the first thing is I'm not, I'm not required to be factoring in invisible people I'll never meet. Like start with my brothers I see. And yeah, if I have reason to think that I might be tempting someone, I'll ask, you know, or I'll, I'll factor that in. But if I don't think I need to be worrying about, well, what if somebody, you know, that's, because a, that's a heavy and hard way to live. If I know of somebody, fair enough. And somebody can even tell me, like, hey, man, that's uh, my consciousness isn't okay with it. You know, if you're going to throw a movie on, you know what I mean? Like, hey, this has got a little language. It's got a good point. Here's what I think's valuable. You're going to be okay with that. I don't want to defile your conscience. Is that is that going to be okay? Yeah, um, yeah but uh, but if it's just judge right, if it's just the Pharisaical judging, I don't need to serve that. I mean, I ought not to provoke it. I ought not to be like, hey, guess what I had yesterday? Meat. You know, <laughs> to the brother. Right? No, no. And that's, wine. <laughs> right? No. Right? Yeah. But no, I don't need to serve that. Yeah. So I, th- I think people misuse stumbling block a lot. So on precision, like, what are you saying? Now, no, if you're telling me, I, I see you eating meat and I want to eat meat and my conscience tells me I shouldn't eat meat. Well, then, oh, well, totally. Yeah, I'm not going to eat meat now. Well, in yeah. my instance, uh, as a person that used to drink a lot of alcohol in a very bad way, people, my friends, often if we're going out to a restaurant, they'll say, do you is this going to upset you or make you feel bad if I have a cocktail? I said, oh, no, no way. Enjoy it. Just don't make me smell it. I don't mm. like, I don't even like hand sanitizer. It makes me want to hurl. But I appreciate my friends are sensitive yeah. to my, my week, my former weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. And it's super kind of them to be that way. Right. But if I'm just walking around going, but this, this is what I'm saying is an impossible, I'm going to quote like, uh, was it? Was it Paul, a burden neither us nor our fathers could bear? If every time I go out, I'm like, what if there's an alcoholic in recovery somewhere around me? And they see, like, that is a miserable way to live. Like, if God gives me good reason to think that might be the case, fair enough. But if I'm just sitting neurotically going through my checklist of who might I be causing to stumble, I mean, there's a, there's a happy balance between who cares, it's my right, and, you know, being neurotic. And I think that happy balance is love, you know. Um, I'm happy to surrender my rights if someone shows up that's going to be a problem for, but I'm not just sitting around beating myself up, worrying about every possible way someone can do something. Okay, who's next? Don. Um, a couple things. Uh, just in, in uh, reference to your uh, point, point uh, four under two. Okay, um, judging our judging uh, thoughts and motives, mm. we often have a double standard. We j- judge our our own a- uh, actions by our intentions, and others that in- intentions by their actions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I just I just had this yesterday with my two kids. One I won't tell you who because I want to speak evil of them. But uh, one of my kids hit the other kid in the head with a stick. But it's your kids, right? My kids. I mean, but, but, the, but that, that doesn't narrow the playing field down very much, does it? Um, one of my kids hit the other kid. What's, indis- what's non-disputed, undisputed, non-disputed, this is a word, uh, undisputed is kid A hit kid B in the head. What was disputed is intent. And Sophie, who was hit, saw an evil glee in his eye, she said. And he said, no, it was an accident. So I'd pull him up. What? Okay. 
Okay. Okay. You weren't asking us to be jury. No, 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 no. And no, no, no. And so the child who hit Sophie in the head looked at me in the face and said, "No, it was an accident." I said, "She, she thought you intended to do that." And I'll do a little cross examination. And he stood up to it. And I asked her, I said, will you, will you accept that or are you going to call him a liar? I mean, because it, it's tough because, like, sometimes when you make eye contact with someone, you know their intent. There are times where, like, you, if you look at me and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, there's no way I can be like, that was a mistake. You, we, you understood, right? So I get that there's a, no, there's no possible. So I asked Sophie, can you believe, are you willing to try to believe that was an accident or are you going to call him a liar? Like, you can. You can call him a liar. We can do that. I'll try to believe him. And I, and I told her, God's not mocked. Like, he's just d- raised the ante a whole lot. There's a God of the universe who does right. We're going to try to believe him. And if he's lying, God's not mocked. That's how Galatians 6 showed up in my sermon today, because that happened. And that's, that's the place we've got to be willing to be, which is, I th- thought I knew your thoughts and motives. I thought it seemed obvious. You're saying that wasn't the case. But you're not going to get away with it at the end of the day, because God's not mocked. So I'm going to try to believe you. You know? I tell that to people all the time. I'm going to try to believe you. That may sound like a left-handed compliment, but like I will endeavor. Usually it's when someone's telling me something really hard to believe. As, as thin as that explanation is, if you're going to really stick with it, I will endeavor to believe you. And God is not mocked. We good? All right. Hey. Okay. Bennett in the back. Oh, you want Don, then Bennett? You, you, do you have one more thing to say? Because if you do, you got the um, mic already. Well, uh, my... Intent is not to uh, open another can of worms. Oh, do it. Uh, unless you I'm got bubbling a over. Can. I've been so excited at coming back after being away for two weeks. In case you can't tell, I'm <laughs> bubbling over. Um, Throw some worms at him. <laughs> let's get some worms. I, uh, I don't think this is explicit in the text, but I think it's implicit. Um, from uh, We talked about speaking evil of a person. Yeah. But Proverbs. Uh, also speaks of, of speaking good of a person who is evil, oh, flattery. Oh, sure. Um, there's a lot of uh, passages to talk about that, and um, I, I, I think that's as evil, perhaps perhaps more evil uh, than than speaking evil of a person. It's a little more subtle. Yeah. Um, Isaiah says, you know, woe to those who call evil, evil good, good and, and good, good evil. evil. Yeah. No, uh, no. Ab- absolutely. There's, there's two ditches on both. There's two ditches on either side of the road, right? Uh, J- James is looking at the ditch of speaking evil. You can compensate by just becoming a flatterer. Someone who just tells people they want to hear. This is where the Proverbs say, uh, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. He who rebukes a man afterwards will find more fl- favor with him than he who flatters with the tongue. So there are some people who I see something I should talk to you about, and I'm going to flatter you instead. And the flattery can just be pretending everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Or you know? getting people to, to like us, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's flat. Yeah. So, so the opposite, you don't overcompensate. Speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And, but even the danger that my dad used to say, just stating facts. And part of what I'm getting at is you might, you might be dead to right stating facts. What business do you have stating those facts? Um, that, that's, that's the issue. Okay. In the back. Oh, James. Okay. Bennett. Bennett, quickly. This is your second time, Bennett. No, no, no. That's fine. But then we got James, and I'll stick around afterwards to chat with you, too, if you got more stuff. So what's your question? Bennett? 
when you said you didn't want us to go to your you to ask about talking about gospel, I had a hard time understanding that. When I talked I about talking about the that gospel, that might be the case because I had to think that I needed something like guidance to like getting my new boyfriend Zach to come to church. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me. Let me. No, not this Zach. I okay. have a boyfriend. God, no, I understand. I understand. Let me let me not talk about Zach. Let me talk. Let me make a scenario that I think is lining up with what you're saying. What can be tricky is when you need counsel, but getting counsel necessarily involves telling someone else about the sin of another. What do you do then? No, no, it's tough, right? I don't. I I don't know what to do. Deb and I get in a smackdown argument, and I think she's dead wrong. And I, like you know, I, what do I do? You can flatten edges of information so you can come and talk to me or i can go talk to someone and say hey here's the deal there's this guy and i saw him do this and i went and tried to talk to him and he told me to get lost and and i'm not making james say i'm talking to james i'm not making james think evil of anyone what this what this really gets back to is am i am i going to cause james to think evil to think ill to think less of a brother or sister I don't want to do that unless I've got warrant and reason. So I can talk to James. It's tough when you're doing marriage counseling. You can't be like, so I got this wife. Um, <laughs> um, maybe I don't, don't, you probably don't know who she is. Don't try to guess and figure out who it is. But it's tough. No, it's tough. It's tough with that. But, but even there, I think there are ways you can talk to people. Um, like, suppose I'm being harsh with Serena. And she's trying to get encouragement or prayer from her friends. I think there are ways she could seek that out without exposing my nakedness to them. I think she could say, I'm finding it really difficult to, uh, to be joyful in my marriage. I'm finding it really difficult to not be impatient with my husband. Could you pray for me? Right? I mean, she can elicit a lot of prayer. Without exposing my naked, doing so the minimal amount of, of, like of exposing. So are you saying like if I something bad, what? that should I keep to myself? If you should something not tell bad. people. Oh, me, you should avoid telling people things that will lead them to think ill of or less than somebody else. So that if, if big you can, what you just said, what? I have no clue what you just meant. Okay. Um, if I'm, if I'm going to introduce, if I tell, okay, suppose I say, I'm bringing my friend Fred to the uh, Thanksgiving feast tonight, and I want you to pray for Fred, because he's a drunk. I've just poisoned how every single one of you is going to deal with Fred tonight. Yes. So, yes, okay, Prist, Prist, right, right, Pristina, pass the mic to Pristina, what you got, Pristina? Um, I was just going to speak to what Don was saying is that we have to look at our motives. And like you said, when, when a lot of times when a person does that, they're trying to make them, themselves look 
like especially in a husband and wife relationship if they're in counseling i don't think you should bring up certain things about your spouse unless the spouse is present so that's that's an example of what i'm talking about but then also um bennett um to say if you're just talking to somebody and telling them um your friend's problem they don't really need to know that um there's no reason no it might make sense if you said my friend who's coming tonight is recovering alcoholic so it if you guys don't, oh, don't drink don't or drink something. In front of oh, yeah. At least that's true. if you were to say, why did you tell us that? So we would not put a stumbling block in front of them. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a good so, reason. That just, sounds like a valid reason. Okay. Right. And what I'm saying is check your motives. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, um, yeah. Don, going to, well, James actually is next. James is, James. So, like in 1 Corinthians 5, it talks about. Um, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Yes. You you were talking you've been talking about how to deal with those in the in the in the church, those that are brothers. Yeah. But how would you deal with those outside the church? Guess it gets back to jurisdiction. I mean, I was talking with uh, Jacob Moore this week about this, and if you I, none of this is going to make it in my sermon, but I'll get into here. I would say it's valid to sit in judgment on someone's teaching and their books. There's a very sense by publishing a book, you're inviting criticism. I hope you read critically. And so if someone said to me, what did you think of this book? I wouldn't think I was breaking the command. If I said, well, I found his uh, main point weak. I didn't think he backed it up well. And I was unpersuaded by it. I thought it was, I thought it was a poor book. I don't think I'm being wicked in doing that. If I moved on to judge the author, he's a pretty stupid man clearly didn't put any effort into this and he should be ashamed of himself who who made me as judge right so when i'm dealing with other christians people ask me would you recommend so and so and it's one thing when i evaluate someone on what they would say i was telling somebody else um about what so a friend of mine believes about some covenant theology and infant baptism and stuff and they they clearly responded to it like i was slandering them I'm like no 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 they'd tell you this themselves i'm not saying anything like, no, trust me. They wouldn't mind me telling you this. It just sounded weird to them. And so it was like, why are you telling me this? I'm like, no, no, they, they, they publicly, like me telling you what, you know, Al Mohler or James White or, or uh, Ligon Duncan believe, you know, um, no, they believe this. You know, so there's one sense in which that's not slandering. That's just, here's what they think. Um, and I could even disagree with that, I think, appropriately. So I could say, say if Ligon Duncan... Ligon Duncan is a Presbyterian. I've benefited from his ministry. He's a godly brother. And I think he's dead wrong on infant baptism. And I'm not slandering him. He holds, he with a clean conscience publicly confesses, I hold infant baptism. I disagree with him. I could interact with some of his arguments. Now, the second I'm, the second I'm rounding the corner to talking down dismissively, I'm judging him, right? So, so if the question is, how do you deal with other Christians? When you deal with public Christians in ministry, I think it's completely valid to criticize, interact respectfully, peaceably with their teaching, what they put out in public, which is necessarily inviting criticism of the right sort, um, is different than me sitting in judgment on them. Does that, does that, does, who's, did you ask the question, James? Yeah. That you, does that, does that get where you're going or further? I was thinking more like those that aren't believers. Okay. So like a friend or family okay. member potentially. Okay. So it, in, let's turn to first Corinthians five, because there's an interesting phrase here. Um, obviously we in this local body are responsible for each other's discipleship, faithfulness, and growth. 
right? That's our jurisdiction. But what do you do if your coworker's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, and he goes to some church you've never heard of in Des Moines, and you, know, you, you find out he's cheating on his taxes or he's you know, secretly dealing meth or something. You know what I mean? Um, no, it gets tricky. It gets tricky, right? Because what do I do then? Um, so verse 9 of chapter 5, I wrote to my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So um, if, if I got somebody who I don't have a common confession with and they're part of a body that has no interface with my body. I, mean, I, think, I think where we've got churches that work together and there's lines of communication between leadership that's different than just some we have no deal. There's only so far you can go. First off, I find it interesting the expression that Paul writes, any so-called, what's the ESV use? Um, anyone who bears the name. Okay, 11. The Greek is literally called or named. Um, so one of my questions when I meet somebody is like, what church owns you as a believer? You know, um, if they're like none, I'm like it, that means very little to me. They're saying they're a Christian. Maybe they are. I'm not your judge, but I, I don't know what to do with that. So cool. You want a cheeseburger? Here you go. You know, like I, I mean, I could talk to him and find out if we in fact have a common confession. But when you're rubbing elbows with your, your buddy at church, like I'm a Christian too. Like, that's great. What church do you go to? I don't go to church. That's great. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you know, like, um, so, so the first thing would be that. I have a basic responsibility not to corrupt good conduct with bad behavior. So if you've got somebody who's claiming a believer and I have no further thing I can do, and I've tried to tell them, like, you shouldn't do that, man. You shouldn't be cheating on your taxes. You shouldn't be dealing meth. You shouldn't be whatever it is you're doing. And they're like, yeah, well, whatever. I got nowhere else to go if they won't go there with me. If I said to them, hey, man, could we, are there any of the believers we could sit down and talk with? I don't want to do that. Like, I'm at the end of my limit of what I can do with this guy at work. So now I'm going to try to not eat with him and try to back away from him, not judging him like you wicked sinner, sinner, but just we apparently don't have much fellowship and in common. So, you know, yeah. Yes. Walters. Who's got the mic? Or are you next on? Um, you know, sometimes people will make the comment, well, you know, the U.S. is in the position it is because the Christians didn't step up, you know, on matters of, you know, divorce or things early on. And do you feel like that's um, that's oh, our jurisdiction? Get, I, knew we, I knew we'd get here eventually. <laughs> no, it's, it's difficult. And again, I want to move very cautiously because if I were to imagine the argument for sitting in judgment on political leaders, it would be we elect them. They're accountable to us. Therefore, as an employer, we have the right to evaluate and judge their conduct. There's certainly something to that. Whenever you vote, you're, in a sense, acting on judgments. You can't vote with any informed um, basis without having first made judgments, right? Um, so my, my thoughts there, I, I, and I want to start with beware the pleasure of being God Almighty and judge. And then be very cautious moving forward in making your judgments. So I, I just want to take it case by case, person by person. I don't know if it matters much, my judgments on a senator from a state that I don't live in. I'd be cautious, like, what business do I have judging the senator from Alaska or North Carolina or whatever, right? Now, perhaps Iowa senators, that might be more fitting. I just want to be very careful and move very slowly because I know my heart's just like, wicked, 
repent, you know, just wants to be John the Baptist calling out Herod. And so I just want to move in carefully and slowly and make sure I've got a valid reason to do this and not just, well, they all work for me, so, you know. And the trick is this, even while we vote for them, they are our rulers. And so I need to honor them and treat them with respect. So how do you honor and treat with respect a ruler who you do have a valid sense of sitting in judgment on who's doing a terrible job? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, it's probably like the way a child corrects their parents or a wife or husband. That, that would be my thinking, something like that. Um, so, 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 no, no, it's just everybody wants to render verdict on everything. I want to even be careful like the Ritterhouse decision, right? I'm not the jury. So what, the way I look at it is this. The people who are entrusted with the responsibility of rendering the judgment have rendered a judgment. Great. You know what I mean? Um, it was never my judgment. From what I can tell, I am thankful the process seems to have been carried out as it was intended to carry, to carry it out. It looks as though the, the, the legal process went forward the way it was supposed to go forward, in which I rejoice. You know, but that also means when I watch videos, other video footage of things, and people are like, can you believe that? And it's the same thing when I watched the George, the George Floyd video. Horrified me when I saw it. I mean, just watching someone die is horrific. But what jurisdiction do I have to judge this? My, I think my response when I saw that video, I hope this is my response, God please raise up righteous people to look into this. This needs to be investigated. And lo and behold, the FBI and every other agency on earth is going to deal with this. Okay, now I'm praying, God, help them to do their job well. Help them to uncover the truth. Help them to, to vindicate the righteous and to condemn the guilty. It's not my jurisdiction. I certainly don't have enough information. You know, and yet I see people just, whether it's defending or condemning, right out of the gate on Facebook and social media. And it's like, who made you the cops judge or George Floyd's judge and what makes you think you possibly have enough information I saw that video and I thought good grief somebody needs to look into that that is that looks bad I think we can all agree on that then it's let those people do their job let the people that have been appointed to judge judge what do you think about it I think it's not my business <laughs> this is great line you ever read the line the list in the wardrobe there's a great line in the book. The kids go to the professor because they got the two conflicting stories of Edmund and Lucy. And the doctor, the professor says, well, do you know Lucy to lie? And they go, no, and you could do this. He goes, well, there's one other thing we could try. What's that? We could mind our own business. <laughs> That'd be a good title, The Lost Art of Minding Your Own Business. You know. But the, the question is, like, who made me a judge of these things? And yet we'll see these events... And we'll want to judge. Like, That's awful. I can't believe it. You know? and, and so, I mean, as I'm watching the, even the Ritterhouse trial, I've seen people call out. And I get why. And it gets back to not an issue of being right or wrong. I'm not saying your judgment against the prosecution for how they handled or withheld something is a right or wrong judgment. I'm just getting back to the basic question of who made you as judge? Who made you as judge? If your concern is, hey, can a judge look at this because this should be investigated? I guess okay. The defense motioned to acquit with uh, a mistrial with prejudice, so yeah, they called for that. If you want to pray that the people investigating that get to the right of it, go for it. But I don't know why it's my business to condemn in what looks like an injustice. I mean, I, I get why people in some of the things that happened in the prosecution think that was shady. What possible business do I have 
rendering a judgment. How is that going to help anybody? It's just going to make me feel power. I think the other reason we do it is when we feel powerless. Well, at least I can render down my verdict, King Jeremy. And you just got to be really suspicious of that. Um, yeah, the more I think through this, the more I just need to mind my own. What do you think about this? I don't know what I think. I think the judge of the world will do right. Mm-hmm. I think the judge of the world will do right. That's what I think. But looking, um, oh, no, can, just, no, keep going, but just kind of looking back, you know, like historically, yeah. um, you know, like, well, should the church have come together and said something more powerful that, no, this is our culture. And you know, it's like kind of legislating morality yeah. or something down the road. And it's just like, you know, because sometimes people say things like that. And it's like, well, you know, I just don't know if that's our place or, yeah, you know, the it's further more, removed you get, the further, the more, the more, the more. The more difficult it gets. I, I don't think we have any, I don't think God will stand in judgment of anybody and say, why did, Bennett, please wait. Please wait. Uh, I don't think God will stand in judgment for anybody and say, why didn't you save America? Um, now, there may be, this is where you got to get to specifics. There may be, when your brother called on you to stand with him and call for justice, why didn't you stand with him? I think that might happen. I think during the civil rights era, there may be particular people, particular churches, where people called, will you please come with us? Will you please? Because you got the biblical notion of crying out for a judge, right? The widow, give me justice, give me justice. And you got people saying, we are being unjustly treated. Will you stand with us and call for a righteous judge to give us justice? And God may hold individuals, why didn't you stand with your brother when they called on you to stand with them? Sure. But this general principle that America, whatever that means, I'm responsible to... So I, I don't think God's going to hold us responsible apart from particular people, places, and times. Um, I, I don't think that at all. So if that answers your question... So, no, it may well be a particular act, a particular thing. Yes, we should have done something. I should have done something. The church amorphous should have stood up. What does that mean? What does that look like? Tell me who sinned and needs to repent. Like, without the particulars, it sounds good, but I, it doesn't work for me. Okay, Bennett. I had a good thought in my head, and it's uh, about the book of Job. Does everybody know the book of Job? Yes. And, you know, in the beginning of the book of Job, the devil goes up to God, and they made a yes. wager yeah. about him picking out a person named Job. Yes. And they said... I want you to not kill Job. Just like he kept on not rebuking Jesus. I mean, God. Job did not sit in judgment of God. Amen. Amen. Well, that's that's the other temptation. We got got like two minutes and I got one or two more things I want to say before we break. That's like another role model of me. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Job. Well. I think it's fast. Go, go to Jude. There's a passage in Jude I wanted to go to. I want to close out here. And then if you have any more, Ben, I'll talk to you afterwards. But I want to go to Jude. Um, it is remarkable the restraint in um, even righteous people in regards to judging when it's not their jurisdiction. And again, I, I, we're so used to, of course I can tell you what I think. And of course I know what to make of that. That's wicked. So Jude, chapter 1, um, it's so small you pass it over, right? 
Um, okay, here we go. Jude 1 in verse uh, 7, 8, and 9. Okay, so let's start back in verse 5. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterwards, destroyed those who did not believe. The angels, who did not stay in their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people, these false teachers, these corrupt evil leaders, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. What's he mean by that? But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now he's referencing events the Bible doesn't record. Book of Enoch tells this. But apparently, um, if this much of the book of Enoch is accurate, the Lord sent the angel, was it Michael? Sorry, he's closing my Bible. Michael, who's a pretty big deal angel, to go get Moses' body and bury it when Moses went up in the mountain and died. And Satan fought him over it. Satan is evil, Michael is sinless and great. And he recognized it's not my job to rebuke the devil. The Lord rebuke you. That's, that's the thing we need to remember is like, if Michael won't judge Satan, I need to not judge whoever, unless I've got a jolly good reason to do so. Biblically jolly good reason. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I need to be able to show my math. Like the default position should be, why am I speak? Because Titus, just speak evil of no one. Well, we know there are cases and exceptions, but that should be the default. I don't want to speak evil. I, don't, I take no delight in making you think less of people. I want you to think better of people. I want to tell you the good they do, right? If there's anything true, anything noble, anything just, anything commendable, think on these things. Um, let me tell you the good about this person. So much happier yes, yes. Yes. Okay, we're at time. I hope to see you all this evening. I'll stick around for further thoughts, questions, complaints. And uh, have a good day.